Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. Hi, Gabby here, and welcome to The Midpoint. This week, I'm joined by chef and restaurateur Monica Galletti. Now, if you're a fan of MasterChef The Professionals, then you'll know her as one of the esteemed judges on the show for over a decade. But Monica also presents amazing hotels on the BBC, and when she's not filming, she's putting all her chefing skills into practice at Mia Restaurant, which she owns in Fitzrovia. Monica likens being a chef to being a magician, and growing up in the food-centric culture of Samoa, she was spellbound from the start. And after training in New Zealand, she came to the UK and worked alongside world-renowned chef Michelle Rue Jr. at Le Gavroche. And this is where she met her husband, David. Together they have a 17-year-old daughter. And just like me, they also share their home with three canine members of the family. So later on, we're going to be hearing all about Canny Cross, a new fun way to exercise with your four-legged friends. I cannot wait to hear about that. But first up, let's meet Monica. Monica, how are you? Thank you for coming on The Midpoint. Thank you for having me. Very excited to be here. Tell me how midlife is going. Oh, do you accept that you're in the midlife? <laughs> you know what, Gabby? I, I really do. Um, I, I really do. I, I, you know, ask me when I turned 40 and I would have said, no, I'm not ready. <laughs> but, you know, well into it now. So you've just got no choice but to, to embrace it, I think. Absolutely. What's changing for you, do you think? You know, um, I think you get more confident and life is what it is and you just got to make the most of it you know there's no going back and 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 accepting that means you can just move forward with your head held high I imagine, <laughs> yeah well I imagine when you say confidence doing what you do and having got to where you've got in a very cutthroat world it's so tough to establish yourself as a leading chef to run you know your own restaurant then you've got your incredible tv career alongside of that anybody looking in would think that you had absolutely heaps of confidence buckets full of confidence um were there times in the build-up and the kind of journey of your career where you were faking it a bit no no I mean uh, the confidence in in myself accepting that I'm getting older right that was the the biggest thing you know and I think in this industry you know I, I my team I mean they're all in their 20s 25 26 um you know so I always feel younger because that's 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 the age group I'm surrounded by, you know. So heading into forty, I actually sort of bit of a spiral, like, oh, what's going on? What am I doing? And then coming at the other side of forty, I'm actually, you know, what I'm doing pretty damn good. I'm not so bothered about my age. Yeah, yeah. I suppose when I said fake it, I didn't mean in terms of you know you clearly had the ability, the drive. But I I feel when I look back, sometimes I I was kind of confident in my twenties and thirties, but. It's it feels more real now, you know. I maybe it's based on so much more experience and so many more learnings that I, I just feel more comfortable in my skin. Yes, now. I think comfortable is 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 the word, and and actually being able to sort of look back at everything before forty 
taking a breath and saying, you know what, um, it's pretty damn good, you know. And we, when you sort of graph things to make your name and, and to get through everything, you're, you're constantly judging yourself to, to everything else and all the noise that, that's happening around you and in your industry, you know. And, and you're always questioning, are, are you doing as good? Uh, is it good enough? And I think sort of getting to to, the, to my age now, I'm like, yeah, I, I accept that. Yeah, I've done a lot. It's, it's been great. And I can enjoy it even more now. <laughs> and you don't, uh, that, that's the thing, isn't it? It's accepting that things, you know, are as they are, but also having the energy and the drive to keep going because yours yes. is an industry and there are a few like it, but yours is an industry where you cannot rest on your laurels. You know, you, you're, you're only as good in your restaurant as the last service and the last, you know, people are very quick, aren't they, to kind of jump on any mistakes. You have to be so, uh, you know, at the top of your game all the time. How do you deal with that kind of pressure? And has that got... Have you found a way to deal with it that's got easier? Well, I think there's always challenges, especially with, with running the, the business, you know, and then the last couple of years, you know, exceptionally difficult and there's always issues. And I'm very hands-on with, with my team and everything. It's exhausting. Um, you know, there there have been times when I think, why 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 do I do this? <laughs> you know, am I still enjoying it? And I, I've questioned that so much so that I've found renewed energy um, coming into, so especially the last few months of sort of being able to say, you know what, let's step back for a bit. You know, I want to recapture the energy and the fun. Um, let's change it up, you know. So in the next few months, you know, things will be changing around here. We'll be looking at doing new things. And, um, you know, even my daughter noticed. Uh, is she? So, yeah. Was it yesterday? What day are we? <laughs> you know, it's like, what day of the week is it? Um, day for yesterday when she said, um, I really like how excited you are about what you're looking at changing up and doing. It's really nice to see. Uh, and even dad came home and he was excited about the new plans, you know, and yeah. if she's noticing it, then that's a great thing. And then I'm someone who, if I'm not enjoying what I'm doing, uh, you need to switch it up. You need to look at a different angle to mm. make sure you continue doing so. Otherwise, you need to step away from it. Which is what you did with MasterChef The Professionals. And it was recently announced that you're Hugely. coming back. So tell me a little bit about that, because that's a really brave decision to make. And I imagine it yeah. took a little bit of time for you to come to that decision. And you didn't just do it on a yeah, whim. Yeah, that was not easy. But um, I had to put everything else first. Um, you know, when I, when I can do television and, and, and everything else, that's because you know, things are in balance, you know, my, my family are okay, the business are okay, my staff are okay. So that allows me my freedom to be able to, to dabble in everything else that I get to do outside of that. But uh, last year, it was all out of sync. My family needed me, my team needed me, the business needed me. And at the crunch of it, MasterChef was going to start filming, which would have meant three months uh, of complete chaos, of, of filming in the day, rushing to the business in the evening, uh, trying to get time with my family, you know, so something had to give. And it was a really tough decision for me to make. But once I decided to take the year out, I knew it was the best thing uh, for us. And actually coming back into it, feel more energetic, more excited um, to, to be back in it this year. Um, having that time out to refocus, re-energize um, and, and sort everything else out. I mean, it is obviously a, 
it's a luxury, isn't it, when we can make those decisions in our career. Not everybody can say, right, I'm having a year off. But in terms of, I think you get to midlife and hopefully you have got a bit more kind of financial kind of background, you know, you, you set up a bit more in life. And a lot of people listening to this are in that position where they're thinking of either making a big change, maybe it's not going back to something, but starting something new. And it's having the bravery to say, right, well, actually, yeah, there's another 15, 20 years in me in that yeah. industry. It's time for me to just make those changes. So uh, if somebody was thinking that, right now and you know we're going to be inspired by the fact that you've done that you know how scared were you when you made the decision that you might not go back or how much did you think yeah I'm definitely going back what was what was your mindset like and what helped you go back you know I I felt like it was a decision I had to make to step back you know and I didn't know how the BBC would take it and I was very fortunate that they you know supported that decision and gave me the year to just sort things out and, and life in general. Um, I think I was just very fortunate that they saw I needed that time out. Mm. So I suppose having that to... conversation in the first place yes. is what sometimes yes. people will be fearful Absolutely. of. Yeah. yeah, you just presume that, you know, the door will close. So, you know, I, I was ready to, to take that. So it was such a relief to, you know, to find out that they were happy for me to have the year out. Um, you know, and then to sort of look at coming back um thinking about coming back you know after the year I thought do I want to did I you know do I miss it those were the questions you know Mm. um and and do I still enjoy it and when it was a yes to all three you know it was it was no brainer really um so I'm just thrilled it's been wonderful to be back and you feel obviously a, a renewed sense of purpose while you're doing it and you've got the energy to do it. What did you, as well as giving yourself to your family and all the things that you said you felt needed you, did you do anything else for you to help your energy levels and your mental kind of well-being in that time? Absolutely. Um, uh, I saw a therapist. I've never done that before. <laughs> no, I was reckon, you know, but I also never allowed myself time to speak mm. to someone you know mm. it was always you know so so busy and not even enough time to to do that mm. and she lena was amazing in and just you know helping you just talk and chat and, and and discuss things and and even then when i started having someone to talk to about everything going on I had a sense of guilt that i was doing that you know really <laughs> did, you know yeah i even had a sense how of dare you be was, so indulgent yeah indulgent talking about yourself and, <laughs> <laughs> um but uh, because I've never had so many things happening at the same time, I needed to reach out to outside help, you know, someone to just to talk to with, with everything. That was the one of the best things I did. And, and also refocusing my energy on, on me, allowing myself the time to, to exercise without always rushing, you know, from one thing to another. I've always exercised, but it was always been, you know, when I could fit it in as opposed to getting a routine and, and, and all of that just goes to make you feel so much better about mm. yourself. And, and I felt like, okay, I can face what's coming next. And a lot of people, again, might recognize that kind of idea of reaching out to somebody else to talk to in, in midlife. It, it is often the first time that people feel that they either need to or they have insurmountable issues going on that they want to, to get help. Before that, what were your reservations and and were they completely kind of squashed the minute you you know got into it? And was it something that you think, oh, I wish I'd done this before? Or was it just about Reservations time? about reaching out yeah, to Yeah, because some people feel yeah. like they don't want to share those things beyond. Absolutely. And that was my thing, sharing it with someone and, and also being such a control freak. I could solve everything. 
you know, I could sort everything. I could sort problems at home. I could sort out my family abroad. I could deal with the business, you know, I could handle my stuff. I could do the traveling with my, you know, with, with the hotels. MasterChef came along. I would manage it, you know. Yes, I'm doing a book. Yeah, you know, and, and I was just a master of juggling for so long. Just, I guess I also saw as a bit of a weakness, you know, needing outside help which is essentially is what it was, you know, someone just to understand all these thoughts and, and everything that keep you awake at night, which was my norm. <laughs> so are you better at delegating now? Uh, or at- Oh, yeah, I don't do anything anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I need to speak to this lady. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Look at me, I'm not even a chef's jacket. <laughs> uh, that must be a relief, though. That must feel like almost like a weight off that you, you've got to a place where you can feel like you can you know give yeah. certain things over and, and not and, be and, and actually having validation that it was okay to have you know feelings about things as opposed to you know what we do is you know I think when you're going 100 miles an hour like I have been for so long it's just bottling you know holding in and going and going and then things tend to to blow up you know and not knowing when to recognize when you're holding on to, to so much, whether it be the stress or emotional issues, uh, worries in life. So being able to allow myself time to to find someone that I felt first comfortable to, to talk to about and to open up, you know, it's a slow process, but one where you actually slowly start to accept it's a part of your life that you need to be able to have. Mm-hmm. And your husband, you work with your husband. You met through work, yes. obviously. Um, he probably knows you pretty much better than anybody, I imagine. What has he noticed has changed or how does how does he feel you've benefited? Absolutely. You know, he's, he's noticed because, you know, there are things that I would not bring home. You know, you don't want to share frustrations or issues that have happened somewhere else and you know so I don't bring them home and I would tend to be much quieter or you know my family know that I'm upset and I don't want to talk about what's happened I sort of you know I bottle it in (laughs) even more so they notice I'm more chatty yeah I, I guess you know found a way that I can sort things out and be able to communicate those things without worrying of, you know, it's going to upset my family, it's going to worry mm. my family. And learning to be a better communicator has been one of the best things from, from having a therapist. And and in terms of the balance of the TV work now and, you know, the restaurant, um, you know, if that sounds like going from a hard day's filming on something like MasterChef into a restaurant uh, in the evening, I mean, that that is an extraordinary amount of work. Are you able now to kind of pull back and say, I'm not going into the restaurant tonight or uh, do you still? Yes. Yeah. Uh, yes, I am, um, you know, and, and all depending on how strong my team are, you know, or, you know, if I'm feeling not too exhausted, I'll say to you know, I'll message my head chef and, and say, listen, it's been a long day filming. How are you doing? Do you need me in tonight? Do you need a hand? And you'll be like, no, I'm fine, you know, which has been able to. And I believe that they're fine. Yeah. Like they'd Whereas say to me they did. were fine. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> they'd say to me they were I, they were fine, and I'd still show up. You know? It sounds to me like my, yeah, the joy is back almost. You've got kind of like so much yes. more joy out of of yeah. what you're doing because that you know you're in an industry in hospitality that you want people to have joy, don't you? So it all kind of comes from from what you can exude as well. How much of your passion for cooking, which is what got you to where you are today in all those areas, you know, as a as a little girl, as a young person in New Zealand, winning competitions, then leaving New Zealand you know this brave bold young
young woman kind of going across the other side of the world to work with a, a master chef himself in, in the UK. That was all down to your passion for food. In the midst of all that business stuff, you know, and all the telly stuff, does is, is that still the absolute genesis of everything? You know, is at the heart of it? I, yeah, and um, I think if you didn't still love that, I still I wouldn't have this restaurant, you know. Um, and and that's why I'm so excited that you know we're, we're looking at switching things up and changing things up in, in the next few months because that keeps that fire going because you think okay you know uh what are we going to do what are the dishes going to be like you know um and then having that connection with your team to create together uh is such an adrenaline rush <laughs> it's so geeky but you know it's such an adrenaline rush when you're all throwing ideas together you know um and then see it come to to fruition so i still very much love doing that with my team what do you eat? Because, you know, I, I mean, I love cooking, but sometimes when I'm cooking, I sit down and then I don't necessarily want the meal I've been cooking because I feel like I've, I've almost imbibed it, you know, yes. through, through the whole process. So how, how, what, how, do, how do you eat on a, you know, those busy days when you're not, yeah. you know, you're on set or is your palate kind of able to just take on, you know, anything in a TV studio or are you super, super fussy? Um, no, because first you got to, if you're filming, you got to think how many plates of food you're going to eat that day. <laughs> of course. So that sort of plans. I mean, if Greg Wallace is, is a different story altogether. He, he just continues eating um, uh, all day. But I tend to sort of, think, okay, I'm going to eat eight plates of food today and it's not going to happen until 2.30. So I, I try and, and, and snack. You know, it starts off really good. <laughs> and then by the last hour, you're just like shoveling everything. Yeah. But, you know, I, I love things like dark chocolate. You know, I literally walk around the benches of the contestants and I find, you know, find dark chocolate on there or, or someone's got, you know, apricots on one bench and then your next strawberries. Um, and then when you're really starving, um, the crew have always got a, a really naughty selection of everything. And then someone will have a bag of salt and vinegar crisps open. So you don't take the bag, but you help yourself to this. <laughs> right. So it sounds like not particularly well nutritionally balanced snacking during the day. Uh, and in, in terms of your uh, your midlife body and your exercise and, and everything else that's going on, have you noticed your, because I think one of the things that I've noticed is my, I don't get as hungry as I used to, even when I've exercised. Yeah. Yes. You, have you noticing that? Yes, absolutely. And I literally having to force myself to eat. Um, especially after exercising, um, I have more for an appetite later in the day, uh, in the morning, not not so much. So, yeah, I have noticed. Have that you started too. skipping breakfast then? Um, I try not to, and say you know, I try not to, even if it's to have some fruit and yogurt. Yeah, and only because my vitamins say I need to have something in my stomach. <laughs> and and in terms of health, and you know, the, your your food, you know, obviously is healthy food. But I mean, how much of that? do you think about these days and kind of you know when you're looking at new recipes healthy food with new recipes is is very different to you know um eating at home home is much more healthy but you know that the restaurant is about enjoyment isn't it? it's about indulgent you know so, so that's not really on the agenda <laughs> no so lots of butter where, where yeah, yeah. it's possible but you know we do veg you know even saying that we have a lot of vegetarian options and, and stuff always on the menu but at home you eat differently yes well, I do. My husband does it. You know, he's French, you know. He's yeah. got a selection of cheese every time. <laughs> so. Lots of cheese, lots of butter. <laughs> yeah, lots of cheese, lots of butter. 
But you know what? It's weird. I was in France last week and ate like a queen. You know, we we had some fantastic meals, went to amazing restaurants and ate a lot more French bread than I thought, you know, I was good for me. And because the bread is just so amazing when the boulangerie yeah, opens up. And, yeah, it's, oh, it's, it's just incredible. Bread. It's just I, so great. A few glasses of rosé. I was in Provence, you know, so one, one has to kind of, you know, do that when you're down there. And then I came home and I'd lost a kilo. I was like, how, how, how has that happened? And so my husband and I were scratching our heads because he thought he'd put on about five kilos and he hadn't either. And we did do a lot of walking and a lot of exercise and things as well, but no more than we do at home. And then we kind of thought, actually, we didn't really start kind of troughing until about one o'clock because we kind of had late mornings, didn't really have a breakfast because we were just coffeeing and stuff. So we we decided the reason was because we must have done some kind of weird fast by accident that <laughs> on our window, we ate a lot, but in in a kind of eight, in, nine in hours. In a certain window. Yeah, yeah. God. So oh, that's wonderful. Either that or the butter and the cheese is really what my body needs, which is fantastic news. Uh, <laughs> I I'm love not sure, that for you. I'm not sure. I'm not sure I want to keep like, this going. Give me, give me the name of what you were eating. <laughs> <laughs> but I did think, gosh, maybe all along I'm supposed to live in the south of France. <laughs> this yeah, is, this is absolutely, what absolutely. Is. But I guess also the quality of what you were eating. You know, it's just much less processed stuff going into your food. You know, exactly. It's just done quite simply, but beautiful ingredients. And even the bread, you know, the bread there is so natural. Yeah, totally. And it, um, you, you know that because it doesn't last, does it? It kind of, we were oh, yeah, staying. Yeah, it's going to go off the yeah. next morning. You're not going to be able to use it the next day because it's got no additives yeah. into it. So yeah. it's, um, yeah. And, and actually, when you're only having a little bit of cheese, you don't need to eat the whole block, do you? You know, you can have no. a bit of cheese um, and you get such yeah. amazing flavours. I'm making and myself very hungry. And I think that's what they do right, isn't it? They do it in moderation. And, and I, I tend to think, no, no, I'm fine. No cheese, no cheese, no cheese. And then I'll get to Sunday and I'll eat, you know, half a brie or something. Because <laughs> I haven't... <laughs> because <laughs> i haven't had it all, all week, week. <laughs> yeah you're not a, up for it on sunday people yeah. talk about binge drinking you're a binge cheeser um uh, which is a whole different thing a binge cheeser. <laughs> <laughs> so so in terms of uh, fitting in the exercise now you said before it was always snatched uh, what, what's your go-to for exercise i'm i'm first thing in the morning you know, and what is it like, what do you do uh, a lot of weight training and also there's a group of us um and then at, last three four years just pre-covid i met a bunch of amazing crazy women just like myself all of us you know over our 40s just working out together giving each other that you know shit <laughs> you know when you come on is that Off-loading. the best you can live <laughs> absolutely um but also you know it was it's an escape like i could be having the worst day and then be there and and these three women are there you can you know laugh it off or you know just pass a comment and then you just get on with it uh, with the exercising so we have a group chat for example and I've been really bad because I haven't been back say in two months because I've done a lot of traveling and and filming but I have a gym at home but our group chat is uh who's there this morning and you know it's so like tick 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 coming 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 and I'm back in on Monday and I know they're going to give me grief for how much I'm lifting <laughs> but I've been secretly training while I've been away <laughs> well not they'll secretly know. I've been keeping it yeah, yeah. They'll, they'll know yeah. they'll know that sounds great that's such a good a tip as well for people isn't it because Absolutely. that camaraderie find, yeah find that camaraderie find your your people that just you know make you feel good and you're we're all above 40 i mean jackie has just turned 60 today and it's just giving each other that confidence you know that you want everyone wants to feel good uh everyone you know wants to feel good and then you have your down day someone will come in and said oh 
I just drank all weekend. <laughs> you know, you know, I feel terrible, you know, the thing. And, you know, and, and you just sort of get each other through it and you just have a laugh and, you know, and then finding this network of women in the last few years has been such a wonderful thing to have. I can't tell you. And, and they're so strong as well. <laughs> this is this is a theme that comes through from a lot of episodes with, with women, actually. Um, I mean, Lorraine Candy talks about her swimming. Uh, you know, she does a lot of open water, cold water swimming and how the there's always a group of women around to kind of, you know, push each other on and to do that. And I similarly swim in a lake with a group of women. And, and I think it's uh, it seems to be a common or a shared experience that a lot of midlife women feel when it comes to movement. It's nice doing some of it in a group. I absolutely agree. I agree. And, you know, I've, I've gone to the gym for years. I never felt so comfortable and happy to find my group, you know, um, my fit crew is what we're called. Um, <laughs> is that what the, the, the WhatsApp group's called? That's a, yeah, the fit crew. <laughs> <laughs> nice. You know, it's, like, it's at a friend's little studio gym. And then it's like, you know, maximum is like 12 people in a class sort of thing. And, you know, the poor guys that do our classes. <laughs> oh, they are allowed in. <laughs> yeah, we let a few of them in. You know, our friend Jamie, he's, he's a policeman, for example. You know, he gets so much grief from um, You know, but it's such a, a joy. And, and a release to, to have that um, and I really feel that my crew there really got me through the last year um, you know uh, going to, leaving MasterChef the announcement came out that morning I was in the gym and I literally I was I was, I was an absolutely crying wreck um, when that came out you know and the girls were there and we just they sort of just got me through and let, right we got this we're gonna smash it you know it's happened so it's my network. <laughs> yeah. And I think that's really important as well that they're outside of everything else that you do, you know, because obviously you've got your team, yeah. but you have to that's be strong for your team. Yeah, that's it. And I think why we gel so much, they're just away from my world. You know, they, they, they get family, you know, and everything that's normal about me, but everything else we know that comes with the package <laughs> so you know it's, it's such a uh, yeah it is, it's it's mad and they're also very protective you know when I'm out with them you know and we're just having a nice time and, and people sort of try and, and, and get into that they're very protective so I'm very lucky to find them yeah up what was that boring no flavor that was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week kiki palmer here and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free hello fresh jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi now that's music to my mouth hello fresh let's get this dinner party started discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com you 
always appear to be such a driven and um, and I, when I say ambitious, I mean this in a positive sense. I always think ambitious, you know, when it's when it's attributed to a woman, it's in the past it's had such negativity. But you know, I've admired that about you that you you know kind of forged this incredible career. And it was only when I listened to your Desert Island Disc that I fully kind of understood where some of that came from and your extraordinary childhood and uh, your parents moving ahead of you to New Zealand and the time that you spent with your aunts in Samoa and what you learned from that and you know then as I say traveling across the world as well how you did to, to kind of carry on and keep pushing uh, that incredible career that you have now uh, which so many times could have become derailed couldn't it things that were going on in your in your life and it feels like you've had kind of almost two or three lives in you know in that period of time that you packed so much Does it show? Well, you, you've just packed so much stuff in to you know into your life um, and one of the things that kind of struck me was interesting when you said when you were first on television in the UK and the kind of perception of you as somebody who gave you know quite hard criticism to people when you were on MasterChef the professionals and you were a bit surprised kind of going hang on a minute this is what I've had to deal with my whole life this is what it's like in a yeah. kitchen and realizing that there was this almost this tabloid persona that was being put upon you but the real person was kind of going well that's you know that's just me giving professional and you said which I found interesting that you'd kind of had to realize you had to step back slightly in the way that you know you you address those situations and and it, that is um a real kind of learning curve, isn't it, in the public eye, dealing with all of that stuff but that most people in their careers deal with behind closed doors, don't they? People don't right. kind of deliver it to the world, that, that news. And being a foreigner, if you like, you know, culturally yeah. kind of coming from a different place, that, that must have been, I would say, looking back, one of the, one of the most challenging periods for you to, to try and get your head around how to be a public persona as well as a private person. Yes, that, that was something to adjust to and, and get used to at, at the beginning. It was quite frightening. Um, do you have a protective you know, layer because of that, do you think, now? Yes, I think so. I, I believe so. And I think you need to have that in, in, in our industry when, when you're a public figure. You, you've got to have that. And you also just keep an eye out on, on what's coming out. I'm very careful who I give interviews to <laughs> um, now, <laughs> you know, and and on how easily things are manufactured about someone's persona just taken from what they've seen on, on, on television, you know, whether it be that or an article taken out of one line that you, you've said. So it did affect me, you know, when, you know, you give an interview and we talked about something and I would have said, you know, I, you know, for example, um, yeah, it's it's hard in the industry for women, especially if they look at you know having a, a family. You know, you need to consider that in you know as a chef. And I remember um, paper taking that line and saying, "Master Chef judge tells contestants choose career over family." You know, it couldn't be any more you know different no. than, than that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, so you've had to grow a thick skin and and realize this is what your life is but you don't have to accept it and you don't have to play with it you know you, you just you ignore it and and you move move on yeah do you think at the beginning i'm only thinking back to my kind of early stages in my career i was probably trying to please everybody in those situations you know and while i would say to myself it doesn't matter what people you know say in the paper i know the truth that you're there is a bit of you that is juggling and working out how to compartmentalize that and maybe yeah you know, it just absolutely 
Um, I found it very disturbing at first, quite upsetting that someone could do that and realising that. And then, um, like you say, you sort of find a way to, to balance it and, you know, being told to know your truth, you know, you know, you didn't say it and, and believing that, you know, was, was the main thing and learning to ignore it. And I think, you know, it just adds fuel to, to the fire if you were to suddenly, you know, go back and attack it on, on that when you know it's not true. And did your daughter, because I think back to my very similar age, my kids are 17, and if they ever read anything, they'd be really, you know, mummy, but somebody said this thing and it, it's not, and I was like, I'm fine, it's okay. And it was interesting, they would get more upset almost when they were yes. kind of 11 and 12. Yeah, yeah, they, they she would, um, she would. <laughs> Although she used to say, "Yeah, everyone's scared of you, mum." <laughs> <laughs> Mine say that to me now. So yeah, <laughs> it's like, no, no, don't, don't, don't come, mum, to sports day. Everyone's scared. Of you. <laughs> it has its, it has its uh, benefits, clearly. Yes, <laughs> but she knows, she knows the real you, and she knows yeah. a different side to you, I guess. And, and also, especially when when my daughter was was also younger, she sort of sensed me get tense you know if, if a lot of people would come and and start asking for photos and I would tense up only because I'm getting protective of my daughter you know I'm sure you do if you've got your daughter and someone suddenly you know pulls a phone out and, and I maybe grab her hand but the same would then happen with her she'd suddenly get very protective and then you'd see her suddenly put her arm across me you know or yeah um so it does affect you in in in, in ways that you just never thought it would no. be. Yeah. Do you think that as a high profile female chef and restaurateur and TV chef, do you think that, that the media has treated you any differently than some of your male contemporaries? Um, I think it's calmed down a lot. When I first started, you know, it was all a bit of a shock for, for, for everyone to have a woman have an opinion about kitchens and, and, and food, you know, and, and so it was always sort of, uh, compared to to Ramsay, you know, it was not a bad comparison. He's, he's a brilliant chef, but I know why they were saying that. Or Simon Cowell, you know, it's mm. like, really? It's mm. the best you can do? Mm. And there's some mm. other hard-ass women out there as well. But, mm. yeah, the best they could do or come up with was compare me to men because it was the norm, wasn't it, that they could give an opinion. So over the years, I think it's very much mellowed and, and not so much. And what about yeah. the men themselves? Is there... Do you have like WhatsApp groups with your favourite chefs? You know, do you all kind of give each other bits of support or is it so competitive that, you know, you, you kind of polite, not, oh my not, gosh, not no, politely at all the yeah. <laughs> No, everyone in the industry knows each other really well. You know, you sort of support each other. I mean, you know, we could go yonks without seeing each other. Tom Carriage, for example, you know, I always have a, a soft spot for Tom and, and his wife, Beth, you know, and you can meet up again. It's just like rolling back time, you know, and, and no, I mean, the industry and I think it has a bad rep because of what's being captured on cameras and that but you know the, the respect out there for everyone and support you know if you hear someone's having a you know a tough time you, you would completely understand what they're mm -hmm. going through. And would you with what your experience is and your husband's as well in the industry do you think your daughters looked and thought this is a great place to work I'd like to be in this industry or is, is it? Oh hell no. No. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, when she was younger, I mean, she used to have a lot of fun here in, in, the, in the restaurant kitchen, you know, um, and then she'd come and spend the weekends. And, and the, now if she's here, I mean, it, it's 
basically just to eat everything she wants <laughs> and then have mocktails in the bar. Um, yeah, no, she, my daughter's very musical and, and very artistic. So that, and you're encouraging the, that you're, you kind absolutely, of, yeah, yeah. Don't, don't come yeah, into, yeah. yeah don't, you well, stay, not, not, yeah, stay yeah, out the kitchen. <laughs> yeah, stay out the kitchen. Um, and for what um, you've, what you've seen over the time that you've been in this country. And I was thinking that in this week specifically, when we've had this, uh, story that has emerged about a newsreader things in his private life were exposed in a, in the sun newspaper and we now know that that person is hugh edwards and i thought I, i've thought a lot about the philosophical side of all of this and have we got worse is this now are we reached a kind of peak of, of wanting to know so much about people's private lives and this almost like this you know this appetite that doesn't seem to be sated in people and um, that you know the click bar of shame all of that and i've always lived pretty much in this country a couple of times away but not come in like you did as somebody who's grown up in a different culture from what you've seen over these decades has have we got worse has it always been like this do you think we're we're in a dangerous place right now i think we are and social media is is a huge part of that i i, I believe in, in society and, and people being able to just be nasty and, and and attack and and tear people down it's frightening i think it's frightening absolutely you know and, and there's so much going on and also see that this just seems to be such appetite an appetite to see someone get torn down mm. it's like a pack mentality almost back home in new zealand and, and maybe australia as well is is that is that a thing there do you see that in i don't know i've been here almost 25 years mm. this is all i know now yeah but i've seen you know i think like like yourself you know it's it's something we've all watched get grow. worse mm. yes we you know sort of watch watching it grow and you sort of almost feel who's next Mm. <laughs> you know and the moral standards next? that people are kind yeah. of made to almost live up to and have to you know especially if you're on the bbc uh, which you yeah. are you know and i am that it's it's an, an added layer almost of kind of pressure to to live up to some kind of um idealistic kind of lifestyle no absolutely i mean you you are doing something you love something you, you know that that puts you in in, in the public so does that mean you shouldn't be able to have the privacy of of being a normal person when you're not doing that? You know, it's almost like you're not allowed to. You have to be held to accountability for everything. And in a, in a business um, like the restaurant industry as well, when people kind of are putting reviews, you know, online all the time and things like that, again, it's that kind of, you know, it's like if you had 20 really positive reviews, but there was one in there that was a little bit negative. And a newspaper wants to pull that out and the headline is, you know, your restaurant is, you know, blah, 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 whatever the review is. It's the the ability to be able to do that now, which, you know, I and mean, that's an example in your specific industry. But that can happen. And it, I've seen it happen with regard to TV presenters and things. You know, there might be one person who's commented negatively about them and all the positive yeah. ones kind of doesn't matter because that's the article yeah. that they, they jump the one. on. Yeah. They, they, they pick the one negative comment on it. And you um, when you look at reviews... Or do you look at reviews? When, no, I don't. No. Is it health, uh, no, healthier? When we first started, yeah, it's healthier not to. And enough of my team look at them that I don't need to. You know? <laughs> I've got enough that, that goes on in the day yeah. without being distracted. No, I think you're right. It's that. like yeah. opening a Pandora's box, isn't it? Yeah. You think, well, no, I, 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 I was, need, yeah, I don't. 
I don't need to know. I was yeah. reading something the other day, um, I can't remember who it was, and talking about the TV industry now and how producers are so kind of aligned to what what's people saying on social media and actually, you know, losing almost their own, sometimes losing their own opinion and their own insight because they're so bothered oh, about... Oh, absolutely. Now there's certain words you can't even say because it might... Trigger, you know, trigger, trigger, yeah. trigger somebody. Yeah. And do you, you get know. briefed now about things oh, like yes. that? Oh, yeah. yes. Now you get a briefing on, 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 on everything. So you, at times, you need to tiptoe around things or you need to check that you can say that, you know, because what was presumed, you know, once upon a time as, as funny and, and a, a joke is, is no longer as, as simple as that. Has that bled into the kitchen as well that you know because I imagine the kitchens that you worked in 25 years ago the kitchen has changed a a long time ago but you know the culture in in my kitchen I don't stand for for any bs or any violence bullying you know and if I don't cap it off you know you just let it run rife and so anything I hear I I stamp on it straight away and I believe in a happy kitchen you know I like being positive and, and having a good time Doing what we do and, and and cooking is something that you have to enjoy and love. If you're having a bad day, it will affect what you're you're producing. So I always believe, you know, that you know, you start service, riling the team up, come on, let's have a great service. You know, it's almost Sunday, and they're like, Thanks, Chef, it's Tuesday. You know, <laughs> but, <laughs> um, you know and, and it's important to have a good feeling, you know, so anything you know even if my head chef for example is having a bad day i will pull them aside you know before service you know or my sushi whoever it is that's running the show like look you want to have a good night you've got a face of thunder mm-hmm. all right put it aside otherwise no because it, it affects mm. the whole team of course yeah you the know, energy how you are yeah it affects the whole team i don't want to always be smiling <laughs> you know but how i i project either uh, the energy you project uh, it affects your whole team and it's important. Yeah, I, I really do believe in that. So we know that you're um, you're into your weights and uh, obviously have to have a lot of energy to do what you do. And you have three dogs as well, who yes. I'm sure take a bit of energy in terms of walks, uh, but also I imagine give you a lot back in terms of the serotonin as well. Tell us about your dogs. Um, oh, my boys, my babies. Um, Finn is our eldest. He's nine, just turned nine. Uh, he's a boxer. And uh, it's quite funny because I posted a video or, or uh, Instagram post about him and a candle. And he had his favorite treat, which I make. It's uh, frozen yogurt with strawberry and banana with a candle in it. Oh, my goodness. And people spoiled. are like, where's his steak and stuff? But they, they didn't realize was he had a heart scan the next day. So he wasn't allowed to eat anything heavy. <laughs> you wanted to, do you want him to pass? <laughs> yeah, he was having a heart scan because he has a heartworm. Oh, um, <laughs> so Finn's nine. He's a boxer, and everything came back clear. Good, oh, you'll have good. another check in six months. Followed by uh, our second dog, which is the Frenchie, French bulldog, Cole. He's the boss of the three, of course. He'll be six uh, this year, uh-huh. and then we got um, a baby boxer. He will be one in August. So we got three of them and all of them are brindles and Harry, who was a bit more ginger than the other two brindles. So yeah, we called him Harry. (laughs) Well, they sound absolutely gorgeous. So I'm delighted that I I think you're going to like our expert, expert with a twist, I'd say today. Calvin Mudd is coming on the midpoint, who is, I think, the man who started Canny Cross in Cornwall. He's certainly very heavily involved in Canny Cross. Not sure if you've ever heard of 
Can he cross? Can he cross? Mm. Can uh, he cross? No, he can't. No. <laughs> <laughs> and that's how bad my jokes are. So we leave the jokes to Greg Wallace. <laughs> Really? Greg's jokes are better than that? No. Uh, no. <laughs> uh, so let's bring Calvin on now and he can tell us a bit more about Canny Cross, which sounds like a brilliant way of incorporating your dogs into your exercise routine. And for a lot of people listening with dogs, I think they'll quite like the sound of that. But I'll say hello to Calvin Mudd. Hello. Hi. Hi, Gabby. Hi. Thanks for coming on The Midpoint, Calvin. So Canny Cross, and this intrigued me because I love dogs. Monica's got dogs. She loves dogs. And, and we all like to kind of, you know, go out for walks with our dogs, but we can do a lot more in when it comes to exercise with our dogs. Tell me a little bit about Canny Cross. So Canny Cross is cross-country running with your dogs where the human wears a special belt and the dog wears a special harness to allow full movement and you're attached by a bungee line. So there's a, takes out the shock from you and the dog. The idea is that the dog assists you to run. So the dog is almost like pulling you. Yeah. So basically, I started canny crossing 12, 13 years ago and purely started running because of canny cross. Because it's, people say it's cheating, but you've got to keep up with the dog. So I'm not a very good, I've never <laughs> been a runner. So with a dog, I can sort of compete with some some of the people in my age category, yeah. So the difference is probably over a kilometre, a minute quicker with a dog. Really? Just because of the dog? Yeah. And what breed of dog do you run with? So I've got a crossbreed, which is, a, I've got a couple of crossbreeds. One's a Bimarana Vizsla Cross. He was a rescue. And I've got, uh, the newest dog is a Bimarana German Shorthead Pointer Cross. You can canny cross of any dog, any dog, whether it be an eight kilo cocker spaniel to a maybe not a great dame. <laughs> the gun dogs are the are kind of the breed of choice in this country. They they do um, you can get a purpose bred dog now. They've been breeding them in Europe for some time, and they're they're starting to be more and more in the UK. They're they're called Graysters, so they're Norwegian pointers cross with uh, a greyhound. So you end up, you've got a dog with great speed and obviously the, the endurance of a, of a German short-head pointer. Now, a lot of people listening are thinking, well, yeah, I go out for a run with my dog. So, so what's the difference between canny cross and just going out, you know, putting a lead on your dog and going for a run? What does the equipment do? So basically, with, with the, obviously, if you've put a lead around the dog, around its neck, and the dog's starting to pull you, which there's lots of pulling dogs out there, you quite often see people getting dragged along the path. So it's not really comfortable for the dog. So with a with a proper harness, they're obviously able to pull into the harness. People people say, you know, oh, have you got a harness that stops the dog pulling? Well, you don't have a harness to stop the dog pulling because you want them to pull you. So you they, they allow them full movement of their shoulders. And then you've got a belt around your waist, which, again, if you've got a dog pulling you on your shoulder, you know, pulling you your arm, it's going to hurt your arm. Mm where when they're pulling around your waist, you've obviously got all your weight control. Your hands are free to move freely. To, to move properly. Yeah, because that's the problem, isn't it? If you, people are using a lead, you can't really run. I mean, when I run with my dog, we tend not to be on the lead because I run them kind of the country. Do you know what I mean? So we, we're doing it kind of more freestyle so that um, we're both going at the pace that we want. Although I sometimes think that she's going at the pace that I am rather than the pace she wants. She'd rather run a bit quicker. And, and what about... Um, the kind of other element to this, which I guess takes it into a sport competition. You were talking about being a minute quicker. I'm, I'm guessing, therefore, that you're going out and you're you're pitting yourself against other people and their dogs. 
yeah so canny cross is 5k that's basically canny cross is it's the great it's a great thing because it's usually over within half an hour they're generally over two days so we run 5k on the saturday 5k on the sunday saturday is is it's all time trial and then on the sunday it's seeded wow so this is this is growing yeah i mean the the, the unofficial world record for 5k is has been done by a canny crosser so but obviously it's with a dog so it's he's being assisted to run but obviously he's got to keep his you know you've got to move your legs people people say it's cheating and um i've run with you know when you've got a dog 10 kilos and i'm 80 kilos you know the dog's not really going to give you a lot of assistance but if you've got a dog that's 30 kilos and it's trained then it can make a big difference well it's also down to your fitness as well, because if you can't, if your lungs aren't doing it, you can't, you can't keep up with yeah. your dog, can you? So I guess you've got to be training together. And that training wise, is there anything people should be kind of concerned about with regard to their dog? How much, you know, can a dog take? Can the dog take more than the human will ever take in terms of training? Do you have to worry about that? Yeah, it's very high. Everyone's got their thing. We would train. So this time of year, because of the humidity, not so much of the temperature, but the humidity is a big problem for dogs, running dogs. In the continent, it, you know, they their canicross season is in the summer because in the in the winter they've got snow. But in the UK, our season starts in September and January. It's all done by May. The nice thing about it, which is why I wanted to bring you on, was because a lot of the midpoint experts and people that we talk to, we're talking about longevity a lot. Community is really important and exercising sometimes with other people is very important to motivate people. So what I loved about this is that it feels like a community. It feels like, you know, some of the things that people enjoy most in their life, dogs are involved. And and I guess you're meeting and training with new people all the time. Yeah, we find that generally the stats are there on our social media. It's middle-aged women because I think what it is is they kind of have children and then they get a dog and they maybe don't have the confidence to run without the dog. I don't know. It seems to give them confidence to run with their dog. And mm. that, we run classes all year, obviously. Even in the winter, we're running head torches. And a, a lot of the, like, like I say to my partner who teaches it, these people wouldn't be here if we didn't do this because it's that thing of, the dogs, you know, some dogs will lead, some dogs will run on, both of my dogs, they'll run on their own, they don't need anybody to chase, but some dogs, as in a pack, in with it, go back to the sled world, some of the dogs, they don't pull when they're not with the group. But yeah, it's, it's a great thing to, to enjoy, because basically what I say to people is, in the winter, it's raining, it's horrible weather, the dog's got to go out, and the best thing you do is put on a harness, put on a canicus belt, put a head torch out, and going on 5k with a dog because because then you're done you you're feeling a lot better about yourself mm. the dog's done as well every dog needs a job a mm. lot of rescue dogs seem to end up in canicross homes really we had a dog a year old and become a bit destructive at the people that had him and he's absolutely fine now because he's got a job Oh, that's lovely. Well, I think, you know, you've hit the nail on the head as to why it's so successful there. I think it's that sense of community, isn't it? And also, which I've always been a fan of, you know, I don't run loads, but when I do, I want to take a dog with me partly for safety. Sometimes I'm running thinking, gosh, I'm in the middle of nowhere here. And I think when I've got my dog with me, I feel a bit more secure. And also you're getting two jobs done for the price of one, which is amazing. And by the sounds of it, an extra added bonus, a bit of competition as well. So I'm all up for Canny Cross. Thank you so much, Calvin, for coming on and um, good luck in your next race. Thank you very much. So do you run with your boys? Do any of them like a jog? 
I used to, I used to love running with Finn. Finn is my running buddy, but um, a couple of years ago, I developed a Baker's cyst in my knee, oh. um, which is really painful. Oh, um, I had one of those, I, but it went. Did yours not? Oh, I you... had to have mine drained. Oh. <laughs> yeah. So that has caused me, you know, every now yeah. and then I get quite a bit of pain in that kneecap, but no. So oh my no gosh. more running. Yeah. And then also I got plantar. um on my left you know so yeah is this do you think being on your feet all the time as a chef does it have its physical challenges absolutely you know um and of course with me and my injuries not resting properly to allow myself time to recover so issues just gradually got worse but I still love running do you know how many steps on average chefs do when they're on a service is it is it thousands and thousands yes Yeah. yeah yeah you know especially you're running up and down the stairs and, and my younger ones, my younger ones, thousands more than me. <laughs> <laughs> but you've done all those steps, literally and figuratively. I mean, I've done a lifetime's worth of steps. Can we, can we just talk about on. your other job briefly before we uh, say goodbye? Because traveling around the world and going to some of the greatest and most unusual hotels that are on the planet is literally, I would think 99% of people listening to this would say that would be one of their dream jobs. So tell me, tell me what it's like when the email drops saying, are you interested? <laughs> Absolutely. And, and oh my gosh, when, when that happened, I've just finished filming my fifth series of, of amazing hotels. But uh, the timing could have been more perfect. I was about to open the restaurant and a crane fell through the roof and everything got pushed back by like three, four months. And literally the next day I, I got a phone call saying, oh, the BBC are thinking of doing this new travel show. I'm not sure if you can do it with the restaurant open. I was like, no, wait, wait, wait. I can. <laughs> so whoever threw that crane across the top. <laughs> and here you are five series um, later. <laughs> yeah, here we are five series later. And, and still, you know, I've always loved travel with cooking, learning about different cultures, different people, different food is what I love about it. So it is my my dream, dream thing to do. It's a dream job. Yeah. And it was it was with Giles Corrin. It's now going to be uh, with Rob Rinder, who has been on this podcast as well. And um, how much when you're filming do you do together? Um, and how much is it kind of, you know, do you, yeah. do you spend some time together? We do a few days on our own and then we have some time together. And uh, with Rob, I've had more time together with Rob. And I think it was just sort of help build that connection uh, together and, and, and to, you know, to get us working more together. So that's been really lovely. And in terms of the hotels, because you're there filming, obviously, and talking about them, I imagine they all treat you brilliantly. Every hotel you They're go in. They're all very, now. very <laughs> wonderful. They're all very disappointed that I don't do enough in the hotel or get to experience the ho- more of the hotel with the schedule. You know, they actually, people are like, wow, you're actually really busy. It's like, yeah. <laughs> I mean, uh, filming out in um, Puglia, for example, I had one day where we were filming in the evening. So I had the morning um, and didn't start until half two. And so the whole week, this place we were filming, it had two beaches. You could see it in the distance. And I said, okay, on that morning, I'm going to go to the beach. And I woke up and it was downpour. <laughs> you know, it was 
Sod's law, I think that's called. <laughs> Sod's law, it's called, absolutely. You know, and I was so looking forward to it. But yeah, I mean, I think there's, there's a thing that uh, a lot of these hotels find is they keep saying, oh, did you go to the spa? Did you try this? It was like, no, I'm sorry, no. I haven't had time. <laughs> but when you go to other hotels for yourself, do people yes. now pull out all the stops? Because I um, doing a show about hotels, they'd want you to love everything about that hotel. Yeah, you know, they do. And then, then also, you know, you sort of say, look, I just want to chill. Don't worry. We're not, you know, I'm, I'm not about I'm not judging on you. Next, yeah. <laughs> you don't need to go on an excursion. <laughs> so I would happily sit here. <laughs> if somebody's listening and they kind of go, right, I'm going to pull out all the stops. I'm going to go to the greatest hotel that Monica Galletti's been to. Where's your, where's your absolute must? <laughs> There's been so many for different reasons. Throw us, throw us one you've a enjoyed country. so yeah. far. Okay, uh, yeah. um, ones we've uh, enjoyed so far. Uh, well, I've been to Sri Lanka mm-hmm. for the first time. Culture, food, people, and then an amazing hotel to, to go with it. Right. See, I haven't named the hotel. So okay, we'll have to do some research amazing. and go and look back yeah. at that episode then. So Sri Lanka was a big revelation for you. That was a- For me this year, I mean, Croatia, for example, I did that a couple of years ago. I'd never been to Croatia before. The hotel was brand new, uh, so modern, yet within 10 minutes walking distance was beautiful little town seaside town you know and i love that you know when you sort of go and you get immersed outside of the hotel so croatia was a big hit for me as well it's probably one of the few times when i didn't want to share the hotel with the rest of the world (laughs) i was like do we have to do this one (laughs) do we have to tell people (laughs) yeah well look i know you're back on master chef the professionals after a year off there if you need a year off hotels just give them my number (laughs) you're my girl you can have it back you can have it back I promise you I'll just keep the seat warm okay so if you need to do anything else to the restaurant or you, you know, know what? If, if Rob doesn't behave I'll, I'll put you in instead of Rob <laughs> we'll be on fire you've been warned Rob uh, Monica it's been so lovely chatting to you because I feel like you've given some really good tips and advice with things that you've done in midlife things that are working for you whether it's the women that you're training with taking some time out pausing reevaluating, you know and getting the the joy for what you do right front and center so thank you for that and for being so honest with us and best of luck with everything going forwards just go from thank strength you. to strength i hope it was all right oh absolutely absolutely monica is just great isn't she i love chatting to her and she's made me a little bit hungry as well If you enjoyed this episode, please rate and review the podcast wherever you listen to us. It really helps more midpointers find the show. And if you want to connect with the Midpoint community a little bit more often or even make suggestions about topics you'd like me to cover here, simply join the Midpointers Facebook page. I'm really grateful to you for listening, to Monica and Calvin for being such excellent guests and to Spiritland Productions for putting this episode together. I hope you can join me next time. Bye bye for now. 
Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. <laughs> 